Welcome to the ProcureTech podcast, bringing insight and inspiration into how digital technology is shaping our profession. I'm your host, James Meads, tea drinker, expat, and definitely not your typical consultant. Yes, welcome to another episode of the ProcureTech podcast, where every week we bring you all that's new and innovative out there in the digital procurement technology space, whether that be providers, stories of successful case studies, or thought leadership around what's important and what you need to be considering as you go along your digital transformation journey. And this week, we're actually talking to an Indian company because we like to spread our wings and broaden our horizons a little bit here. And what they've done is develop something really, really innovative in the finance space all around automation of accounts, payable activities. And as we know as procurement professionals, one of the things that frustrates the hell out of us is how often we get dragged into payment issues and invoice queries and how it's a massive time suck on our part when things go wrong or when a process is broken or not particularly well thought out. So this conversation is going to dive into some of the things that this tool Finley can do. And we also touch on some of the nuances and differences between how business and corporate structure and governance works in India, uh, as opposed to Europe and North America, which was a real eye-opener and interesting conversation for me when we started to dig into some of these topics. So without any further ado, welcome to the ProcureTech podcast, Mr. Vikshith Rai from India. Uh, thank you for having me here, James, and uh, really happy to be a part of this and looking forward towards all the questions that you're going to be asking me. Okay, so I was keen to get you on the show because we've not featured any Indian companies before. A lot of the media coverage in Europe and North America quite understandably tends to come from companies that are native to those regions. But what I have saw that, you, that you're doing is... It's actually pretty unique in the space, I feel, because Finley's essentially a hybrid between procurement and finance technology, and, and most procure tech software tends to be more of a full-scale procurement solution with a couple of finance-related modules bolted on at the end yeah. to support those type of activities downstream, whereas Finley kind of does the opposite, focusing instead primarily on the downstream activities around accounts payable automation. But unlike a lot of AP and finance-related technology, it also, interestingly, offers some upstream functions around requisition to PO management. So I guess my first question is, what problems are you ultimately seeking to solve with the tool? The idea is we understood there are five main requirements that a CFO needs. First one being uh, the compliance automation for all compliance related uh, activities that's happening within the organization. Second one uh, being the governance, uh, like all the policies, rules of the company, all of this being automated. Third one is being accessibility, wherein uh, teams are getting more remote and distributed, finance teams especially. So access to all the documents in a distributed manner. And then uh, visibility, of course. So a CFO and the finance team wants to understand every transaction, what's happening, where within the organization. And finally, of course, the productivity. So this is the core of what we want to deliver to the finance team and the uh, CFO. And based on this, all the modules, the products are designed uh, 
in our system. When when you decided to put a procurement module in there, was that really just speaking to the point that you mentioned that finance need to understand every transaction? And if procurement, if the requisition to PO process is not well managed, then that creates problems further down the line with, with unauthorized spend and difficulty then to project cash flow? Sure, that's definitely a case as such. So uh, India, especially what happens is the, the expenses, the payables, it's divided into two parts, the PO part and the non-PO part. So what happens in most of the companies as a problem is they have a non-PO based approach, which is the vendor just shares the invoice and a payment is being processed. There's no PO based process. But companies are more of uh, getting into the PO-based process rather they're registering the vendor and having a lot of other automations around uh, so that they get visibility into the transaction that's happening in the organization. Yeah, so it's a mix of PO and non-PO is what we have. This is And non-PO spend, I mean, in Europe, we're a little bit more advanced in terms of our processes right. there in that sense through necessity, really, because of necessity to be able to predict cash flow right. and, and cash being king and all of that. But um, we do also have non-PO spend as well, but it tends to be more things like leases and government payments and utilities, okay. you know, the kind of stuff that, that that wouldn't traditionally go through the requisition process. Sure. So is is that kind of a split that you see between PO and non-PO developing in India too? Exactly. So if you're looking at a non-PO, we have something known as an agreement-based module. So all your agreements can be automated through our system. For example, if you have 30, 40 offices across the country, using our system, you can update all the agreements that you have with these 30, 40 different landlords, and the payments gets automated for all these transactions. Then we've seen something known as the utility payment. We have something known as a utility payment automation system. So in India, uh, the government has opened up the APIs for making utility payments. So at the end of the month, if you have, say, 5,200 offices, all your electricity bills, water bills, all these bills are going to be coming onto our dashboard. And with a single click of a button, you can process these payments. So we have all these various modules within the non-PO system. That sounds like a really beneficial proposition when you consider the amount of time spent on creating POs or the to and fro then between finance and procurement, especially on, on things that don't traditionally have a PO. And if that can be automated... That would save a significant amount of time. So, I mean, one of the things that I found throughout my career is that procurement professionals often spend a disproportionate amount of time resolving payment queries. And honestly, a lot of this is due to either broken or very manual labor-intensive accounts payable processes, which then sort of in turn affect the workload further upstream with the work that buyers do around the requisition to PO process. In, in essence, what, what you're doing with Finley, it's an, it's an accounts payable automation tool first and foremost, but ultimately the buck stops with the person who owns the vendor relationship. And, and, for, and for customers, when deliveries go awry, that's the buck stops with sales. Yeah. With vendors, that's procurement. But the, the big difference between procurement and sales, especially, and I'm talking now more Europe and North America, yeah. in, in India, it's probably different, but we don't have administrative assistance to deal with all of this firefighting and operational work, whereas whereas sales traditionally do because they're seen as being a, gener- a revenue generator, whereas historically procurement's always been sort of seen as an overhead, although I, I truly believe mm-hmm. that's wrong. I mean, in terms of what you've developed and with obviously the requisition to PO module that you have as well, through having that very automated, visible, clean process that you've developed 
in, in Finley as a tool. How do you see that as being beneficial to procurement professionals in terms of, you know, hopefully being able to take away some of the day-to-day administrative tasks that we get dragged into? Just to start off with, if you're looking at, you know, the kind of automation that we do, the productivity of a team once Finley is implement, implemented as such increases by at least 70 to 80 percent. That's what we've seen. Wow. Yeah, so, so if at all you have 100 employees in your finance team, it goes down to 30 people. And what's happening with the remaining 70 people is they end up doing uh, various other analytical jobs. So it's not exactly that they're moving out of the team exactly, but they do most smarter jobs in the in the same company. Also, it's a well-known fact that the attrition rate of the finance teams on a year-to-year basis is around 15 to 20%. There's, the dependency of manual labor constantly decreases uh, with the implementation of a system like this. Now, coming down to the automation part, I'll just take one single example and talk to you about how much of productivity is brought into the picture here. If you're looking at uh, the number of invoices a large company like a 5,000, 6,000 employee company uh, gets, is it's around 6,000 to 7,000 odd invoices. Each invoice has several items and transactions that it needs to go through. You need to uh, deduct TDS, you need to deduct taxation. There are various taxation uh, deductions and everything that happens with respect to a transaction. And once you make the payment to the vendor, the vendor has several queries as to why the deduction happened, what was the taxation that you had applied and things like this, for which the vendor ends up calling the finance team. And there's a lot of back and forth communication that happens. There's a module called a banking a payment reconciliation module that we have in our system, wherein as soon as you process the invoice for a vendor, the UTR number along with the invoice details is going to go to the vendor via SMS and email and a phone call along with all the details of the transaction. This highly decreases the back and forth communication that happens with the finance team. So if at all you look at a company which has at least 4,000, 5,000 odd invoices coming in a month, they would at least have around 600 to 1,000 vendors would be calling up the finance team. All of that burden is completely remote. I am just speaking about one small function here, and there are multiple other aspects that are there within the entire procurement uh, P2P uh, lifecycle here. So uh, that's uh, roughly coming down to you know 70% uh, percent of uh, productivity increase. That's what we see. So it's really through through automating or, or through simplifying that whole end-to-end process and through removing the amount of touch points that a person has to have. You mentioned attrition, and that tends to be an issue in as, as, especially more sort of administrative ta- sure. administrative roles. So by doing that, you're essentially removing the, the, the amount of touch points that could potentially go wrong or that could require rework. And that rework often doesn't fall on accounts payable it falls on procurement because ultimately if the if the vendor's got a problem and he's not being paid if accounts payable are not answering him then he go, he goes to his procurement manager because you know he he's the one with whom he has the commercial relationship exactly. right so yeah i can I can definitely see that yeah. So just a quick interlude before we move on with the rest of the podcast, just to say that if you are a procurement leader or a finance leader in a manufacturing company and you're struggling to get to grips with your spend or you just maybe need an extra pair of hands to resolve a specific issue and drive some bottom line results, just drop me a connection request on LinkedIn or just ping me an email to info at jamesmeadsconsulting.com or just follow the link in the show notes to book a free 30-minute initial call with me so as I can learn more about your business and what I can do to help you. So now let's jump right back into the interview. The e-procurement module that you have, 
seeks to simplify and improve the the user experience for the whole rec to to PO or, or to or to payment sort of cycle. Does this work as a standalone feature or does it require integration into an ERP? So it depends on the company, uh, how they've set up the entire system. So if at all they have an ERP like SAP or Microsoft Navision, uh, we do uh, make the integration happen because uh, there are various other automation that's av- available from the purchase requisition to the payment point. So it all depends on how the companies want to uh, you know, configure the system wherein uh, uh, they can have a procurement system separately that's plugged into our invoice-to-pay system, or they can have the end-to-end procurement system in our platform and then just plug in the uh, system into their accounting system. So it totally depends on the needs of the organization. The system is highly configurable and highly flexible. And uh, at every point in our application, there are APIs that are opened up, wherein the company can consume these APIs and integrate into any of the other business systems. Okay, so it's actually quite versatile in terms of the different systems it can it can communicate with because of its API. Exactly, exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Okay, so it, it could theoretically sit in the cloud on its own, but obviously you're going to get, I assume, more out of it if it's able to communicate with other systems in your organization. Exactly. So I'll just give an example. There's a company uh, which uh, does interior designing, you know, uh, in a B2C market. So they have a lot of these uh, employees uh, traveling across the country to do all these fixes across the houses and commercial and residential buildings. So at this point of time, they have to procure items to make these fixes, right? And uh, to make these purchases on the go, on the fly, they've integrated the CRM system and our e-procurement system. And they're able to calculate how much purchase is being made against each of the projects. So uh, there's a drop down in the CRM. Uh, which shows all the uh, projects that they have. And the same dropdown is available in the e-procurement system that we have as well. And they can map these expenses against each of these projects. Ah, so it can so it can map project, can spit out at any given time how much of a project budget exactly. is being spent. Exactly. So if there are new purchase orders that need to be created on the fly, on the fly pretty quickly that maybe don't have the luxury of time to go through the classic, you know, three quotes and then pick the cheapest one, then you can always see how that fares against the total budget that's being spent. Exactly, exactly. And these guys travel across the country so and it, it's required on a very quick basis right another example is there's a company which has a warehouse system which has all the inventory we don't have an inventory system on our, our product but our APS uh, you know uh, are flexible enough to seamlessly connect and talk to the inventory system to uh, pull out all this information and you know uh, display it in our product so it totally depends on the requirements of the company and the system is super flexible to cater to those needs we like flexible systems. <laughs> so with, with this being predominantly a finance tool, I, I assume from a sales perspective, you're, you're, you're targeting generally CFOs as customers. And one of the things that we as procurement professionals tend to, tend to bemoan and, and get frustrated about is that even though we negotiate a lot of spend, we, we as a department often don't have a budget other than for things like training and travel. Sure. So if, if we want to implement, say, a procurement technology solution to facilitate our day-to-day working life or productivity, we often have to go to somebody like a CFO mm. to get budget approval. Sure. Sure. So if, if you're selling this to CFOs, 
Do you find it's generally an easier sales proposition because you're essentially selling to the person who sets the IT budget every year? So you're dealing, I guess, with the, as we call it, the economic buyer within the organization rather than with, with a buying department. Sure. Here, it totally depends on uh, which market we are talking about. Uh, if you're looking at the Indian market, the position of a CPO, the chief procurement officer, is something that cons- is, uh, uh, is coming up as such. At this point of time, uh, most of the market the CFO deals with all of the buying process as well as the financials. But as time is going, uh, companies are realizing that purchasing is a competitive advantage they can use against their competitors. In which case, this uh, chief procurement officer is directly reporting to the CEO, not to the CFO anymore. So we have to strategically understand how the company has structured their organization. In a scenario wherein the chief procurement officer is reporting directly to the CFO, in that case, we do sell to the CFO. And we have multiple modules to cater to this. We have a travel expense module as well, uh, which is coming under the umbrella of accounts payable. Or in another scenario uh, where it's the procurement system that we're trying to sell to, we just directly go to the procurement officer and then try to try to sell the system. It totally depends on the use case. Uh, when it comes to travel expense and procurement system, both the uh, you know stakeholders are there at, at the meetings, like the CFO and the chief procurement officer. But then at the end of the day, India is still an evolving market in terms of, uh, you know, procurement process as such, in which case, you know, you don't find the position of chief procurement officer in most of the companies. But that's that's fascinating yeah, yeah. to understand a little bit more about how the corporate governance and corporate structure works in India yeah. compared to some more developed markets, because on the one hand, you're saying that traditionally all buying or all spend would sort of go through the CFO ultimately. But then on the other hand, you're saying in in companies that have been more progressive and are employing CPOs, they're reporting directly to the CFO, uh, to the CEO, and they're having a seat on the board, which certainly in, in Europe and North America is is very very rare and that that would be that's that's our dream as procurement professionals to have a to have a seat at the board with our with our top with, with our top dogs so uh yeah it's yeah. uh in in some in some ways often less mature markets almost have a competitive advantage because they're they're not having to follow what's considered as being as being the done thing or as being as as being the right sort of corporate architecture so that's a that's really interesting to hear that cpos often have a seat at the top table in india yeah wow okay on this sort of same topic around sort of differences between sort of europe north america and india one of the things in europe especially when we're looking at labor costs in particular and an accounts payable as as we've discussed is predominantly a, a sort of tactical admin heavy function there's not much strategic work that goes on there and in europe in a lot of countries, it's often difficult to fire people due to labor laws. Okay. And if you've got these people on on payroll that are doing very tactical work, but but are on you know, a European salary, if that work can be automated going forward, and then that and 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 the sort of focus on the employees can be moved to be doing more value added activities, assuming that, you know, the employees want to and they can be trained and they've got the capacity to do that. The payback for a tool like this in a market like Europe, where, where, where unemployment is low and labor is in short supply and, and salaries are high, would, I suspect, be a much, much easier business case and a much more powerful business case to sell than it would be in the domestic Indian market. So, I guess my question is, do you have any plans to expand beyond India? Because I, I personally see from what this tool can do, it would solve a lot of pain points and challenges that we as Europeans face. 
course. Uh, so uh, we do have plans in uh, entering the US and the European market in the next uh, three to five months. Uh, so we are actually developing a plan uh, to do this because we, we are getting a lot of requests uh, from the US market, especially uh, to use our product. Uh, so the flexibility that we're trying to add is the taxation module, the payment automation part. So these are the uh, modifications that we're making to the system to uh, allow us to do this. And at the same time, uh, there's a, a different aspect uh, to uh, this from from if you're looking at the Indian market as such. Uh, in the Indian market, payments is becoming uh, uh, like, you know, it, it's way ahead of the UK market and the US market. For example, we have this technology called UPI and NEFT, IMPS and RTGS, which allows real-time transactions. And the banks are opening up these APIs. Uh, so because the banks are opening up these APIs, it's very easy for us to integrate with these systems and the, uh, the transaction IDs easily flow back into our system and we can uh, set up various configurations in the banking platform. So all these capabilities are allowing us to automate a lot more things than what we could do in the past. Uh, this value proposition is something the Indian market is clearly seeing uh, time and again, which is why there is a good amount of demand for this end-to-end -end, uh, payment technology enabled procurement system in the Indian market. So when we are taking all of this technology to the US market and the European market, we are trying to understand how the banks in the Western market can, you know, facilitate the same level of automation that we have provi provided here. Yeah, and it's a very valid point because banks are pretty old school in, in, in Europe and to some extent in the US, even yeah. more so from what I hear. And, and there are differences in terms of maturity of the market. I mean, I think the UK yeah. is a little bit more more progressive in, in that regard, where if, whereas if you go to Germany, it's like the banking system is like going back 20 years. Yeah. Um, but a lot of fintechs are, are, are disrupting and challenging that. So I think, I mean, I'm not a finance professional or a or a, or a sort of or, or a fintech expert, but I I do think with more and more of these companies entering the market, the the big banks are having a big wake up call and are and are having to adapt to to survive in that space. So uh, yeah, it'll be interesting to see what happens there. There's a lot of competition out there for finance modules and finance technology and also for, for procurement technology. So with what you do sitting more in the finance space, but also offering a couple of solutions in the sort of procure to pay space, what do you see as your USP when compared to some of to some of your competitors? It's uh, primarily, primarily to do with the uh you know, config, uh, configurability of the system and the flexibility that we provide. Uh, so the idea here is uh, we are looking at, you know, procurement as more of a uh, competitive advantage for the company. And uh, we uh, we will help them scale in such a way that they don't have to look at the procurement process or their tables at all once they adopt our system. They, they just got to focus on their business and we will take care of this part. So when we're talking about taking care of accounts payable we will keep you know updating our system with the latest of compliance technology governance frameworks collaboration platforms all of these things to ensure that you have the most advanced finance team we we are doing this by uh, investing in a lot of technology firstly it comes down to the integration you can integrate it with any business system like within two to three days uh, that's how we build the plat platform wow that's great yeah, yeah. yeah. And, and also we've built this machine learning algorithm variant it helps you forecast what kind of spend and expenses you're going to be having in the next few months the other thing is you can easily integrate payment technology this is what's happening in the indian market right now but this is what we're trying to do in the u.s market in the european market as well when you can integrate any of your payment technologies not just your banking technology but your credit card your expense card your prepaid card all of these various payment instruments can be easily plugged into our system so basically any transaction that's happening across the organization directly flows into our product 
So these are various capabilities that we're bringing in at the end of the day, which will give the CFO one single uh, dashboard to understand who is spending how much money bad within the company with all the governance and the visibility that he needs. So that's that's our primary focus. It, it almost allows an alternative because certainly in Europe per, and, and in North America as well, purchasing through catalogs is uh, is a big strategy that, that procurement teams and AP teams use to to help automate some of the low-level purchases. Sure. But what you're saying is with, with Finley, you could almost do that with P cards as well, and, and it would automatically then generate the payments so as... So is it's a seamless sort of end-to-end integration and nobody has to manually enter purchase orders on the system. Exactly. So uh, you can think about it a transaction automatically reconciling with the invoice and both of these uh, entries going and setting the accounting system without any manual intervention. Got you. If anyone would like to connect with you and learn more or maybe book a demo, what's the best place for them to hook up with uh, you? Of course, you can go to our website and uh, schedule a demo anytime you want, which is finly.io, finly.io. Alternatively, you can find me on Twitter, of course, which is V-E-E-K-S-H-I-T-H-C-R-A-I, Vikshit Sirai. That's on Twitter and uh, Vikshit Rai on LinkedIn as well. And alternatively, my mail ID is also vikshit.rai at finly.io. Okay, and I'll link to your Twitter and LinkedIn profile and website in the show notes for anyone that's listening and that wants to grab those links. Vikshik, it's been really interesting for me to understand a little bit more, not only just about what you've developed with Finley, but some of the some of the little nuances and differences between the the business landscape in India, especially around the payments and how procurement fits into the corporate governance model versus how it works in Europe and in North America. So that was that particularly for me was an interesting insight. And I wish you all the very best of luck with your launch in Europe and North America. Thanks again. Take care of yourself and keep in touch. And yeah, if you're over in Europe and uh, and you're at one of these conferences, then maybe we can uh, catch up for a coffee or a, or a glass of wine at some point. Definitely, James. Looking forward to meeting you sometime. And uh, thanks for having me on your show. It's a pleasure. So that's all for this week. I hope you enjoyed the conversation with Vikshif and you got some insight into how accounts payable automation can really help us as procurement professionals further upstream by ironing out and automating some of the day-to-day work that can often go wrong and lead to issues on our part. Thanks again for listening, guys. Take care and I will catch you again next week. Look after yourselves and bye for now. Thanks again for listening to this episode of the ProcureTech podcast. If you like the show, then please subscribe or even better, why not write us a quick review on Apple Podcasts? It would not only really make my day, but it would also help our mission to enable procurement and finance leaders to become more data-driven through the power of digital transformation. (laughs) 